we're obviously continuing in our series on binge reading the Bible. And uh, with the subnote being that the Bible is a unified story that all points back to Jesus Christ. So from Genesis to Revelation, it all points to Jesus. And it's, it's amazing to see uh, how that works. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about the epistles or the letters that were written uh, in the New Testament. Um, a few weeks ago, I was talking to Mike about wanting to be able to read through all of the letters before I got up here and spoke. And he's like, oh, you can get through that in a few hours. So I took the next two weeks and still didn't get all of it done because I'm a much slower reader than Mike is. But uh, I did get through quite a few of them. Um, some of them are much longer than others. Uh, if you get into like Romans or, or the Corinthians, letters to the Corinthians, um, those are like 16 chapters and really long. But it was really cool. Like, and this is something that I should have done but haven't done, but I think we're all learning through this series, is that if you really take the time to sit down and read through an entire book, especially the letters, there is so much more that you can get out of it. Uh, there was a few, a few of the shorter ones that I got through, like, I was just like, oh, you know, it was like stuff was making a little bit more sense than it did if you're just reading it uh, phrase by phrase, you know, or if you're going in and you're picking out stuff out of there because you need a certain phrase to go on a t-shirt or something. Um, but if you read in the whole context and you kind of learn the history behind it of why the letters had to be written, um, it's really cool to like see what Paul was saying or what John was saying or what uh, I don't remember all of them. We're not going to go into that. Uh, you can look them up. There's like five different authors, and there's 21 books, uh, or 21 letters, epistles. Um, and reading through these, I was kind of reminded of my dad, oddly enough. Um, when I was younger, and I know I've talked about this, my dad uh, liked to give what I would call lectures, what he might call a talk, uh, he would sit me down and instead of just punishing me, uh, which I sometimes wished for, uh, he would just sit down and lecture me on different things that he wanted me to know that he had knowledge on. And it took me till I was at least in my mid-20s before I realized how right he actually was because I was too stubborn to, to listen at the time. But the epistles, the letters are pretty much the same thing. This is Paul, you know, he, uh, Paul and John and, again, I'll... I'll remember them later after I'm all done. But um, these are letters where they're writing back to places that they've been and people that they love, and they see that something is going on, and so they want to remind them of what they learned while they were there and then teach them just a little bit more. And so that's, you know, that's what my dad was doing, was trying to teach me things that I needed to know for what I was going to come across later in life. Um, unfortunately, when I was 21, he passed away, so I didn't get to the time to appreciate uh, what he was actually telling me. Um, now, going into these letters, I think it's crazy that um, 2,000 years later, we see some of the same things going on in the church, um, in the church that we see it in the churches now that we saw 2,000 years ago that we read about, that Paul was talking about, this, the issues, the little things that were going on. Um, and I wanted to start off by reading 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, uh, and tell me if this sounds kind of familiar. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will, be lo will love only themselves and their money. 
They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving, and they will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. So, does this sound kind of familiar? Yes? In today's, thank you. I got one yes. Sounds, sounds a little familiar to 2022, right? We, we've got people that, uh, you know, don't listen to their parents or don't, uh, they're abusive, arrogant, proud, lovers of money, uh, lovers of self. Um, I mean, there's a term for it, selfie, you know. Uh, we tend to focus on ourselves more than others and the people around us. Um, and again, that's, that's why we can take these letters and apply them to our lives today. Um, so there are 21 letters that are in the New Testament. And what I'm going to try to do is shave this down to six points. Uh, I could have had 10, I could have had 20, but I shaved it down to six. That was the best I could do uh, in the time allotted for this morning. So we're going to go through these and we'll see what we can do. Um, so the first one uh, that we want to look at is discipline. Um, so, oh, I forgot my box. I feel, okay, some of you are old enough uh, to remember, and don't watch them, but remember Carrot Top, the comedian? He always had a bag of props with him or a box of props. So I have a box of props, but it's, I'm, this will be way cleaner than Carrot Top ever was, I promise. Um, I'm going to knock everything over. Okay, so in discipline, what do you guys think of? First thing I thought of when I think the word discipline is I think punishment for doing something wrong. So I have a fly swatter. I don't know if any of you ever got the joy of having one of these in your house, um, but for me and my sisters, if we did something wrong, guaranteed some part of this, usually not this nice flexible piece, was coming across our backside, right? But this actually isn't the discipline that I want to talk about this morning. It's just what we think of, right? So what I actually want to talk about uh, is the form of discipline where, like, you're dedicated to something. Like, it's, you're doing something, and it becomes a regiment, and you're, you're doing it often, right? So I brought a weight, right? And these are, these are the weights I use all the time. No, I'm kidding. I don't use weights. Uh, but as you can tell, I go to the gym all the time. Um, I didn't want to show off all my muscles and bring in the big weights that I normally use. Uh, but anyway, discipline. Like, we go in, and obviously I'm talking spiritual discipline, not physical discipline in this case. Um, but it was something like, in, in a lot of the different places that Paul went, uh, they were taking the gospel, and then they were in the, their freedom in Christ, and doing all of these crazy things that... I don't feel comfortable talking about in church because some of them were really weird and gross. Um, you can go and read it for yourself. If we're binge reading the Bible, you can do it yourself. Um, but Paul had to, had to cover these things. He had to talk about these things because there was stuff that was wrong that they were doing wrong. And they weren't following what he had taught them in the first place and what Christ was trying to teach them. So we're going to go to um, Romans 6. First, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Then we're going to jump to 12 through 14. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died, 
and were buried with Christ in baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Go ahead and jump to verse 12. It says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So like I said, um, he was trying to show them that what they were getting into was obviously wrong and that they needed to... um, they needed to not just live under God's grace and think that it was okay and be like, okay, I'm saved. I've accepted Jesus. Now I can go do whatever I want. Um, and I know that uh, I've seen that a lot in, in the church as a whole, not this church in particular, but like as the church in a whole is, is that they, they say it's their um, quote unquote, get out, of, get out of hell free card. And then they go off and do whatever they want. And this scripture very, very much points out that that is not uh, obviously the proper way to live. We can't just live under God's grace. I mean, God's grace covers a multitude of things that we do wrong, um, but we're not supposed to like go chase after it and go live in sin, knowing that God will forgive us in the end. Um, also, another scripture, First uh, John 1, 5 through 10, says this. Uh, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say that we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all sin wickedness or unrighteousness in some versions. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. I don't know about you, but personally, I don't think I would be brave enough to ever want to call God a liar. Um, You know, God has proven himself in my life personally over and over and over again. Uh, And I just love, I love when he does this stuff and you realize it like 10 years later uh, that he's done something. You're like, Oh, that was him protecting me, watching over me, and leading me into a path that I knew nothing about. Um, but anyway, going back, uh, you know, we need to be disciplined to that calling. Um, and obviously, there's sometimes, sometimes there's consequences, natural consequences for the stupid things that we do. Um, but God's not like going to follow us around with a whip and cracking us every time we do something wrong. He's not that kind of God. Um, we just have to deal with whatever junk we get into and what the uh, repercussions of that might be. Um, So this is similar in in pretty much all of the letters that were written. There was that that same theme where he was, somebody was going back and saying, hey, remember what Christ did for you. Now let's do better. There was always that therefore in between those points. So the next thing that I want to talk about uh, is unity. So I really struggled with this one for unity the only thing I could think of was like you see at a, at a wedding where they do like the, the rope with the unity 
uh, knot or whatever you want to call it. And so last night I did my best to braid this. Uh, just don't tell Hosanna that I know how to braid because she's always wanting me to braid her hair before school. And braiding her hair while she's distracted by everything in the room is not pleasant. Um, but anyway, uh, that reminds me of like in, in the weddings they talk about, you know, you and your spouse and God are kind of, kind of intertwined. Um, but again, that's not the exact unity that we're talking about. So you don't have to show, give a show of hands. Um, but have you ever been around people that feel that they are better than others? And a deeper question, have you ever been that person that you felt that you're better than somebody else for whatever reason? Um, hopefully not, but I think probably all have at some given time. Uh, in Galatians, that's, uh, that's what they had to address. Um, there, were, there were Jewish people that were accepting Gentiles into the Jewish customs, uh, but they had to follow all of their specific rules, uh, just different things that they had to do. Um, and then also, once Paul came into the picture and some of the Jews were getting saved, um, they, were, they were doing, you know, following Christ, but they were still trying to make the Gentiles and make everybody try to follow in the Jewish law. So there was the circumcision and the dietary restrictions. So they were like saying no bacon, which would have made me sad. Um, and there were a few other things that, uh, you know, that they, they had. And I think at times we do this. Not that we're trying to make people not eat bacon or anything like that, but it's, um, I, keep, I think this thing needs fixed. There we go. That's a little better. Sorry. Um, but we have, we, we tend to have things, um, if we've been in church for a long time, um, sometimes the legalism that comes behind it or the religious habits that we have come into play. And so we think that, um, you know, people have to follow that exact thing in order to be a part of the church or to even be saved. They have to do this stuff before they can accept Christ. And that's not at all what Christ said, right? He said that, uh, you know, you just got to ask for, you know, for forgiveness to, to, to ask him into your heart. And we'll talk more about that later. Um, you know, and there are things that we get uncomfortable with, you know, uh, ways that people worship. You know, some people raise their hands. Some people sing really loud. Some people love to sing. Some people dance. But I do draw the line at snakes. No snakes in here. So if you bring snakes in here, I don't think we're that kind of church. But, uh, you know, no snakes. Uh, you can... You can find a church that's comfortable with snakes. Follow Indiana Jones on that one. Um, so we're going to read in uh, Galatians 3, verses 26 or 29. Uh, in, in this book, it kind of sums up a lot of what he was saying about being unified. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So we are kind of grafted in. Um, I don't know if some of you know about trees, but like you can like graft two trees together. I, I never, I've never seen it or done it, but like you can like graft an apple tree into an orange tree and stuff and get some kind of weird fruit or whatever. But that's kind of like what, what God did with us through Christ is that even though we weren't 
under the, the Jewish law. We weren't, you know, we're not the original Jewish family. We're not um, technically under the family of Abraham, even though we're all human race. Um, that's how he kind of brought us in and he adopted us into his family. Uh, and that's, you know, we are all to be united as one in the, in the uh, family of Christ. So also in Philippians 2, 1 through 8, There we go. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others be as better than yourselves. Don't look only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Sometimes my uh, finite, small, little, measly mind can't really grasp the grasp the fact that God, Jesus, was in heaven, and he's like, I'm going to go down here and give up everything that I've had for eternity so far, and go down and become like one of us, become a human. Like, that's, that's huge. That's huge. And then, and then he's like, you know what? Not just that. I'm going to point everything back to God. I'm going to point every person that I meet back to God, and I'm going to die on the cross for you. Because He's God, and he can do that, and he just, he chose to do that. Um, but he also, like, he created this kind of level playing field for us all. None of us are to consider ourselves higher than somebody else, right? We are, we are to be unified in Christ, and no matter what, you know, no matter what we've done, no matter what those, per those people have done, no matter what they look like, smell like, act like, doesn't matter. If they walk in that door and need Jesus, that's where we're supposed to point them to. Um, I don't have this up there, but uh, 1 Corinthians 12 also speaks to how we are to be different parts of the same body of Christ. You guys, again, we're in a series about reading the Bible. Go read 1 Corinthians 12. It's really good. Plus, you know, keeping track of time. Um, so third, third theme that we have, this microphone is going to get on my nerves. Um, okay. Third, we have spiritual warfare. Uh, this one kind of seems like what I would call the odd man out, but um, I really feel like we definitely need to talk about it. It's talked about multiple times throughout the New Testament and in all the letters, um, and it's definitely something very important that as Christians, as believers, that we need to recognize and notice because um, it's a very real thing, and the devil does prowl around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. Um, he tries to come at us spiritually, physically, everything that he can do. He just hates us with every bit of his being. Um, and I promise you that if you try to do anything that's for Jesus, he'll find a way to distract you in some form or way. Like, like in planning this, like 50 different things kind of tried to take up every bit of my time, uh, this past like month that I've had to prepare, um, it's just, it's crazy what, what can happen and what, the devil's like, look, here's a distraction. 
don't do what you're supposed to be doing for Jesus. Um, but anyway, uh, we are, you know, we've got to get in there. We've got to get into our word. We've got to study. We've got to, um, you know, focus in on what, what ways we can use to avoid and, and stay away from what the devil is trying to bring in front of us. Um, so there's a lot of verses, like I said, but um, I'm just going to go over a couple. The, the main one that uh, a lot of us know is Ephesians 6, verses 11 through 17. Oh, wait, I totally forgot. Weapons. So we're going to get into this, and I had no clue. I don't know if you can see it up here. I had no clue this thing lit up until I got it home, and I was like, please don't make noise, and it doesn't make noise, thankfully, um, but it does light up. So we'll get to this at the end of that. Uh, end of this verse. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the devil and stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Is there more, or is that the end of that one? Okay, Sorry. I, thought there, I saw the comma. I thought there was more. There is more, but it just goes into verse 18. Um, so obviously it's, it's showing the different pieces, and there's representation as it's showing. It, he was trying to portray armor because they would see guys going into war. They would understand helmet. They would understand breastplate and the belt and all of the things that they would need to be able to go into war. And that's why it's called spiritual warfare is because we are going against the devil and the thing that he's trying to bring against us, against our families, against our friends, against our church. Um, against everybody that he possibly can, that he can drag down to hell with him when this time comes to an end. Uh, and so we need to be, we need to be ready. Um, instead of the sword, you really need your Bible. That's, that's what it's saying. It's the word of God, um, sharper than any two-edged sword uh, that will cut straight to marrow. Um, so another, uh, another reminder is found in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. And by the way, I'm really sorry about all the scripture. I figure we're binge reading the Bible. We're going to do a whole lot of scripture because there's a whole lot to learn. Like I said, there's 21 books, and I couldn't go over all of them in a lot of time. So we're just going to get through what we can. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Uh, you know, we have to take our thoughts. Um, sometimes our thoughts wander. Sometimes our thoughts go on things that they don't need to be going on, right? Uh, I know uh, sometimes my thoughts will just, I'll be in the middle of a sentence. You can ask my wife, I'll be in the middle of a sentence, and then all of a sudden it's just gone. My thoughts just go <laughs> out the window, and I'm like, I'll come back to this. I don't remember what I was going to say. I'll go in the other room, and sometimes it comes back. Um, but sometimes our thoughts go on things that we're not supposed to be thinking about, uh, whatever it might be, uh, you know, whatever, something you might struggle with. Uh, we need to take those thoughts captive and give them to Christ because Christ can take those thoughts. He can help us move past them, move through them, and go on with life. 
So, fourth theme that I found, that we can find, is serving. So, I actually have a pair of work gloves. And as you can see, I use them a lot because they're still tied together. I bought them at Walmart yesterday. Uh, (laughs) Because I work so much in the garden. Uh, I don't have a garden. Um, Because I don't eat vegetables, so why have a garden, right? Um, So... (laughs) To me, uh, sorry, to me, serving is fun and it's ex- exciting, right? Um, one example, last weekend, uh, we went on the winter retreat with the youth, which was just crazy and fun, and I'm still trying to catch up on sleep, uh, even though it's been a week. I think I got, I think I totaled up 14 hours over three nights, maybe, uh, of sleep that I got, but we had a whole lot of fun. And one of the things that we got to do was go to the, uh, the Charlotte Rescue Mission, um, it's a place where they bring in men that are uh, having addiction issues, and they're helping them to walk through that and to get through that. And what we got to do, and it was really cool because Jenny happened to call, and normally they weren't, like, letting people in, especially from out of town. And uh, it just happened to work out that they needed a group of people to come in to help them with what they needed to do, right? And so we just got to go, go in there, and... Uh, they had a couple old buildings that they were actually going to be tearing down because they, were, they got a grant from the city that they were going to be building new buildings uh, so that they can provide better, adequate space for the guys that were staying there. Um, a really, really cool place. Um, it was the, the place where we were pulling stuff out of. It wasn't exactly the, the cleanest place. Uh, there was a whole lot of dirt, a whole lot of uh, grossness, a whole lot of cobwebs. Um, but even, even the guy that was kind of leading us in that was amazed that every single one of our kids that was with us helped out, got in there, didn't complain a bit. I don't know if like he had a bunch of ritzy kids in there that were just worried about their nails or something, but, uh, our kids got in there. I mean, we all had gloves on. Yes. But, um, like we just went in and got done what we needed to do. And it was, it was really cool to see the kids get in there and to serve. Um, and, uh, he told us a little bit more about the place where, what they do is after the guys get out, they actually have like a cafe there um, where the, the, they can work, um, earn money, and kind of transition back into life. They also did, I think they said, HVAC and nursing and like all of these other classes that they can take through there. So it's a, it's a really, really cool ministry down there. Um, but it was cool to be a part of it. Now, some people, though, serving is like that hard pill to swallow. Like it's just, it's nerve-wracking. You don't want to do it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's that big horse pill that your mama wanted to give you when you were little and you were afraid of it, so she'd smash it up and she'd put it in your applesauce so you can eat it, right? I don't know if anybody else ever did that. My mom did that for me, right? Um, but serving is like that. If you're too scared to grab that big horse pill, you smush it up and do it in small pieces. So you, you start off and maybe like stand at the door and welcome people in, into the church. Or if you're not, you know, if you want to go a little larger, you want to go down to the children's ministry, go for it. That's for me, small doses, small little tiny pills. I'll go down there and play. But the youth, the youth is where, like, I really enjoy, um, you know, I, I get to act like an idiot and act like a teenager myself. Um, and we definitely did plenty of that last weekend. Uh, but, but it's fun. And if you get it, you find a place where God wants you and find a place that God puts you, you can flourish there and you can grow there and you can disciple people there. And that's, that's what Jesus is calling us to do through serving. Um, and sometimes serving isn't just done under the little church umbrella that we have, right? Sometimes serving is outside of these four walls. You know, our jobs or, or going to school or whatever it might be, 
God is calling us to serve wherever he puts us. He's given us the skills that we have for a reason, right? So for me, I can do websites, I can do graphic design, I can do video stuff. So God has used those things for me to, to do things for other people, to help ministries out and to help just people out. And in, in those times, in those opportunities, like we find ways uh, to, to share the gospel in whatever we're doing. We kind of try to bring into the conversation. I know Caleb, Caleb and I were talking about it. Like he likes to find ways to bring the gospel into a conversation, no matter what the conversation may be. It's kind of, it kind of creates a challenge for you as a Christian. Um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes doing ministry uh, hurts. Sometimes it's financially, you're like, I'm down to like my last dollar, but God's saying, give that dollar to somebody else. You know, be obedient in that. I'm not saying God's going to like just pour money on you. You're going to have a thousand dollar check when you get home. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that blessing to that guy is more than enough blessing that, that you get from God. And God will take care of you. God will take care of you. I promise that because um, he says it in the Bible. Um, he says it in his word. So we're going to go back to uh, Ephesians 6, um, but we're going to read verses 5 through 9. And just bear with me through this. I know there's a lot of weird words in here. Uh, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the Lord uh, rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. So I'm going to, I didn't put it in there. I'm going to read a different way to say all of this. Because obviously, in America in 2022, we don't have slaves and masters, right? So, and I'm not saying, just follow me on this, sorry. You'll understand. Employees, obey your earthly employers with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. As employees of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working with the Lord rather, for pe- rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are employed or self-employed. There was a word free, slave or free. I just put in self-employed. I feel some freedom sometimes. Um, Employers, treat your employees in the same way. Don't threaten them. Uh, Remember, you both have the same employer in heaven, and he has no favorites. So hopefully that made a little bit more sense. You know, I'm not saying that your job is slavery. I'm not saying that at all. You may completely enjoy your job. Maybe you do feel like it is slavery. Maybe you know, pray about that. Uh, If God has you there for a reason, he has you there for a reason. Um, And just pray that he can show you that. Um, Anyway, hopefully that made a little bit more sense. Um, Like I said, we have have the spiritual gifts that God's given us, and we're to use them to serve others uh, and to show others Christ. So now the last, sorry, the fifth theme, I have, this is five out of six, and we're almost there, um, is love. Now, to me, uh, love is probably going to be one of the, the greater themes of all of this um, because you, you have not only Christ's love coming in, but uh, the love that we're supposed to share going out. So uh, I tried to find Valentine's Day candy because, you know, hearts and shapes and all of that. Uh, the, but 
I got there too late, and even the, the cheap stuff was gone, the reduced stuff was gone. So I got Sour Patch Kids. And yeah, see, Kaylee's face is already lighting up. Uh, <laughs> my wife and, and, and some of my children love uh, Sour Patch Kids. So I figure we're showing love. They love, love this candy. It's a different kind of love, but um, just, you know, visual. Love Sour Patch Kids, sure. Um, but like I said, this is, this is more important than, than kind of, I'm not going to say more important. Yeah, most important probably um, of the, the pieces that we're talking about. Obviously, we've talked about discipline, unity, serving, and even spiritual warfare. Um, but above all else, love uh, definitely shows more in these letters than anything else. Um, and Christ calls us to love our enemies, the ones who hurt us, uh, the ones who hate us, the ones who are unlovable. We are called to love them no matter what. So uh, I'm going to go into 1 Corinthians 13 here in a minute. Um, and obviously we've talked about it a few times here, and a lot of the times you'll hear it at weddings. Um, but uh, we have to understand all of the context, again, that's going in with this. So we can't just read this chapter. We have to know all of the story that comes behind it. And uh, there's a lot of division of, again, this is going back to um, the people saying that they were able to do whatever they wanted. They had their freedom in Christ. And uh, so... Paul was kind of trying to combat that, and uh, he, was, he was writing that we can do things in our freedom of Christ, but, like, we're not supposed to, all, we're not supposed to like, make other people stumble in doing what we're doing. So the biggest thing, one of the things that was happening was that um, being free in Christ, people felt that they could eat any meat, um, but they were eating meat that was uh, cooked and, and sacrificed and, and burnt on the altar for the, the little G gods that other people were worshiping. Um, and the problem was that other people were seeing the Christians eat that meat, and they're like, well, okay, I can be a Christian, but I can also serve these other gods. What's wrong with that? And so Paul was saying, no, obviously we have one God that we're supposed to serve. Um, so that's, that's kind of where this all comes into play is that we're to, to be showing love to our fellow Christians by saying, okay, you know what? I'm not going to eat that because it makes you stumble. I'm not going to do whatever it is because that might make you stumble. Um, so we're going to go ahead into 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, we are going to read the whole chapter, so just hang on. Uh, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm not going to go grab a symbol. Don't worry. Um, if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, which sometimes we can be, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge uh, will... Is there another slide? Become useless. There we go. Uh, but love will last forever. Uh, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. 
But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought, of, thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflect, reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So, stretching this a little bit, but it's kind of like buying the Sour Patch Kids for my family. This was selfless love, because I don't like sour candy, right? I was buying it for them. That I, I didn't even buy myself any candy when I bought those. So, Huh? That, I got the Oreos before these. <laughs> At a completely different Walmart in a completely different city. So it has nothing to do with it. But thank you. And I only had like seven Oreos. I didn't eat the whole family pack, I promise. Um, but thank you for reminding me of that. Now I get Oreos when I get home. Um, so I do have an assignment for you guys. I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. Um, what, I, what I want you guys to do, and we're not done, so don't, don't nod off yet, um, or wake up if you already did nod off. Uh, what I would like for you to do is to show love to somebody that you come into contact with that doesn't deserve the love, right? And that's hard. That's hard to do. Like, you, you see somebody, and you're like, mm-mm, no, I ain't doing it, Lord. And he's like, I want you to do it. You know, it, it, it's, it's the craziest feeling, but, like, the people that just, like, just despise you or just do stuff to spite you. Um, you need to show them love and shower them with love, like, like love them until it hurts. And, and you'll see a change. They'll, they're, you're going to blow their minds. Like They'll be like, I'm being a total jerk to you right now, and you're just saying I love you, and you're, you know, just give them Jesus, right? And it's, it's, it's kind of fun. I don't know if it's wrong to do, but it's kind of fun to do. Um, okay, so crowd participation... I'm not asking for money from me, but does anybody have any kind of cash in their wallet on them? Because I do not. Anybody? Just a dollar bill. I don't care. I'll give it back as soon as we're done. It's just, to, it's just for a point. If somebody pulls out a hundy, you know, then, then we'll talk. But uh, that's a $100 bill for the old folks. Hey, we got some over here. I'll be right back. Sorry, cameraman. All right, we got a dollar bill, okay? So, money. What is... What, what do we sometimes do with money? We put ourselves in debt, right? So the next, the next theme that we're going to talk about is reconciliation. You can put that up on the screen. Reconciliation, whatever. Okay. Uh, reconciliation is an accounting process that compares two sets of records to check that figures are correct and in agreement. This is definition. I don't really know all these big words. Um, reconciliation also confirms that accounts in the general ledger are consistent, accurate, and complete. Uh, so over the past few months, uh, we are getting into wonderful tax time, and I had to go through QuickBooks and reconcile all of the things that I had spent. And if you are a business owner, you know the treasury and just awfulness of having to do such things. Um, but I did get through it, and it was aggravating. But, uh, you know, this just means that we're showing what's owed and versus what's spent, and you're, you're matching all of this up. Um, and if I borrowed money... Say if I borrowed money from Charles, right? Uh, I'd have a debt that say he gave this dollar to me. I'd, ha I'd owe a debt. Or, you know, credit card bills. You borrow money on a credit card bill, you've got to pay it back. It's debt, right? Um, but in a biblical sense, 
we owe our life, right? The, in, in Romans, it says that uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ. So Christ has paid that debt so that we don't have to. And what he asks of us in return is that we just share his love to others and to have unity within the church and with others. So again, everything points back to Jesus Christ. Um, and that, that's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly what we're supposed to do is to just point everything back to God because um, that's what we were created to do. That's what he calls us to do. Um, so how do you take the first step? Um, so we're going to go into Romans 10, 9 through 17. Uh, this kind of brings me back to um, a band that I was in called Believe, and the, the band name was based off of this, so we definitely knew this verse, and I should be able to know it off heart, but that's been a couple years since then. So let's read it on the screen. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone in, who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the, the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Right there, that is how, that is the basics of salvation, right? That we are to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, uh, that we are to believe in our heart that he raised, you know, he was raised from the dead, God raised him from the dead, um, and confess our sin and we'll be saved. Then we get to go share it with the rest of the world. We get to go show everybody what Jesus has done for us. And sometimes, uh, you know, we get complacent in our walk. Sometimes we get 10, 20, 30 years into our walk with Christ, and we forget where we started. Even if you've been in church your entire life, you know, there, there's still a point at some point, even if you get saved when you're little, right? There's still a point as you get older, like, like Heath was saying, where, where Christ becomes your own, where that relationship becomes your own. It's not your parents' faith. It's your faith. And you have to continue in that faith. And it's not an easy thing to do at times. When things get hard, when the devil does come against you, when you do stupid things on your own, and it's not anything to do with the devil, um, we have to figure that out. We have to make it our own faith, and we have to confess those things to Christ um, and, and give those to him and let him deal with it, let him handle it. He's going to take it and throw it as far as the east is from the west, which is pretty far, right? Um, so I'm going to call the worship team back up. Um, we're going to go into the final verse. Yes, one more verse. Um, Romans 5.11. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So our debt that we have, which is caused by sin, is reconciled, changed, and accounted for. The law required a sacrifice, and Jesus was that sacrifice. He has paid 
our debt in full. So uh, as we close today, you can go all the way over there to the cross and pray. You can put a prayer request in that box. Um, we as the elders, we do go in there and we do read through those. We are praying for you guys. Um, you can stand up and sing. You can sit down and pray. You can do however God is leading you to do it, but just do something this morning. Draw closer to him and, and get in there, read your Bible every day. And you don't have to binge it uh, and just like try to read through 16 chapters in one sitting, but um, just get in there and, and read it in context and understand what God's really calling us to do. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that um, you put the right people in place at the right time and the right moments that, uh, that you had to, to go out and to share this gospel and to then go back and, and write these letters so that we can have them this many years later. Lord, we just thank you that your word still applies in 2022 as it did in year one um, and that you will always stand as the truth that we can hold on to. Um, Lord, we just come to you and, and we just give everything that we have to you. And we just thank you for all things in Christ's name. Amen.